Today on First Cup, I'm going to talk to you about my favorite martial arts weapon, why traditional martial arts weapon training still makes sense in a modern era, and why I'm so tired. Stick around. We're live in 15. I need a different word, not live. We're going. We'll start. We'll start. I think that's where we'll go next. Five, four, three, two. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Today is Thursday. It is August 26th, 2021. My name is Jeremy. <gasps> this is my first cup of coffee. Oh, okay. 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 We need to talk about why it's so hot. It needs to stop being so hot. It was 89 degrees yesterday. It's going to be 91 but I'm traveling, and where I'm going is going to be 95. This is not this is not okay. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. You stop. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning, Daniel. Uh, this is our like our second heat wave of the month. Mother Nature, what's going on? No, just for fun, I did go out to the. Uh, we're gonna start calling it the pond, even though it's this big across. I went out to the pond and took the temperature yesterday, and it was it was in the seventies. If I get that thing deeper, I could I could go hang out while it's while it's hot. It's sit in the, in the water. So yeah, we're gonna keep working on that project. I don't know when because it's too hot to be outside. <laughs> Jenny says we are in heat wave number six of six of the summer here, and I'm ready for fall, no doubt. Good morning, John. Daniel says 64 degrees max today. Yes, I converted just converted just for you. Well, if it was 64C, you would uh, probably be doing something else other than talking to us on here because you would be dying. 64, 120, it's like 135. Yeah, that would be really hot. I've been running the air conditioner more this summer than any other summer. Normally I'll put it in and use it like one day out of the summer and and I've been running it a lot this month. It's kind of <laughs> I'd be dying. Yes, you would be. Um man. Well, it's hot. That's really what you need to know. Now 147 is 64. Okay. Wow. That's that's even worse. So I'm going to be in the car pretty much as soon as I'm done with this. I'm headed in the car south a couple hours. Going to do some super foot training for the first time in a year and a half. Ugh, I'm going to be rusty. But go train with my friend Terry, my training partner Paul will be up. If you're a longtime listeners of martial arts radio, you know who Terry Dow is. Or maybe you know who Terry Dow is anyway. Uh, and you know who Paul Milholland is. Paul will be teaching it at free training day. And the stuff we'll be working on, Superfoot kickboxing stuff. Terry is Bill's top student. So I get to train with him because he's not that far away. Oh, coffee is good. So I am, I am fried. I am sore. All right. So I worked outside all weekend, digging holes and whatnot. Then Monday had karate class. 
and I was sore. Tuesday, I went to the gym and lifted for the first time in a week. And I went to karate again yesterday. And my body's going, Jeremy, what is going on? You don't usually do this, Dallas. I had a great time in class last night. I really didn't. You know, we're doing the, it's all so basic. It really is. It's fundamental stuff. Now, there's a, a little, good morning, Tom. There's a little bit of a funny story. Um, not everyone's figured out that I've trained for a while there because I'm wearing a white belt. And some of them, I think the ones that, that know I've trained because I've intentionally downplayed this don't understand how much I've done and that I've done a bunch of different things. So there was a, um, a fun thing at the end of the class. It's an adult class, but it's actually got a decent number of teenagers. So, um, the instructors try to keep it high energy, which is really nice. And the last thing we're doing before class is there were three lines holding kicking shields and we had to throw as many punches as we could in 15 seconds. Great. And the one leading class suggests, he says, you know, you probably want to do, and he demonstrates a horse stance. I don't know that they call it a horse stance. Um, sometimes in karate, there's, there's a, anyway. Um, and I'm watching everybody throw their punches. And if these are their feet, they're rolling in because they need something to brace against. Because if you've ever taken a, a fitness class with me, energy comes from your relationship to the ground and you need to be braced. And I'm watching them. I'm like, this is exactly why the San Chin stance, these are your feet, was invented. Situations like this. So I step up to the shield. I'm like the last one to go. And the idea is that they will, the, the people holding will count how many punches you throw. And people are getting numbers like 42. And I heard one person get 70. And I was like, oh, okay. So I step up and he's like, you should, and I step into a sunshine. He's like, no, you should do that. And I said, do I have to? And he said, no. And I said, okay. And when I was done and he told me the number, he's like, it's like, you know, I got an idea what I'm doing. And then drove home and had dinner, which was half a pint of ice cream because <laughs> it was hot and I was tired and sore and I didn't feel like cooking. And then I went to bed after preparing for my day because I go train and then uh many of you know sensei craig wareham who's been on the show i do some work for sensei craig school so i'm gonna drive the 20 minutes 30 minutes away and have a meeting with him and the school owner and talk about what's going on with them sweet it's gonna be a great day and you know one of the nice things i get to write it off i get to write it all off it's beautiful absolutely beautiful They don't have homes with air conditioning in the UK or with aircon. Uh, there's a fun show that um, maybe of, of, of interest has nothing to do with martial arts. This has been my latest, uh, not obsession. I, I need to have a TV show that I can turn on that I really don't care about. Um, something that I turn on, it's like, oh, I got to go do that. And, you know, while lunch is cooking or something. 
And the one that I'm watching lately, it's on Hulu, it's called Impossible Builds. And the premise is people want to put a house in some weird place, like the side of a cliff, uh, middle of a protected forest, etc. Places where a conventional build would be very difficult or expensive. So they bring in these kit houses and it takes place in the UK. And so you've got people dropping these really cool houses in the middle of nowhere, Scotland. And, and much of the show is how they build the, the thing and put it on the truck and drive it. Although they call it a lorry. So those of us in the US who enjoy hearing uh, the similar terms in, in the Queen's English uh, may enjoy that. But it's fun. It's a fun show. So check it out. Uh, some of the stuff they've turned out is really cool and it's really cheap. So that's my day. I'm going to go kick things and then I'm going to go work with clients and then I'm going to find a Panera or something, some coffee shop to sit down and do a little bit more work before I drop home. Now I did promise you today that I was going to show you my favorite martial arts weapon. And here's a hint. Anybody know that noise? If you've trained with this weapon, you probably know that noise. In fact, I have two examples here. I'm going to open them all. One of them is in a case that I am opening now. We got both of them. Oh, you see my shirt? Here, let me take this banner down. That doesn't need to be up. There we go. See, see my shirt? It's something we're testing. I've got to do a second version. I don't quite like this one, but you know why I'm wearing it? Because it's polyester and it's going to be hot as the Dickens. All right. Uh, <laughs> Daniel says cheap. Uh, Raphael knows that noise. Chris is all, also getting it. Yeah, it's Psy. So back in the day when I was competing, actually, this is when it started. Um, when I started competing seriously as a team, uh, Everybody was using one of two weapons, just like today, except it was two different weapons. Back then it was bow and it was comma. Now it seems like it's bow and, uh, and nunchuck. If you call them nunchucks, I'll hit you. I will. Not hard, but I will hit you. And I said, I want to do something different because I didn't. I wasn't going to do the big flashy stuff that they were doing, so I needed to do something that stood out. Well, these are sparkly. We figured that would help. And these side were actually a gift uh, from my, my 13th birthday from my instructors. And I, so I've had them for close to 30 years. See, I had to put electrical tape on the handles because they started on wrap. But... I don't know if you can see how banged up they are. Yeah, you can see some of the texture in there. And that's from clinking them together. And we didn't have any psi forms in my school. Uh, not that the instructors knew. So I worked with one of them. We converted MP. You know, the, the kata MP. We made a psi version. And I started to do okay. And then I started to do better and okay. 
there was a pretty good run. It was like a two-year run where I had it. It was good to go. It was a good form for me. And then I switched over to Sword for like the back half of one year because there weren't very many people competing in weapons, if I recall, and I wanted another challenge. So these are the ones that I received then. But here's my favorite pair. The story goes that these come from Okinawa, but I've seen others that look like this. That handle used to be a darker purple, but they sat in the sun, so it faded. Um, these seem like a quality mass production. Okay, The balance on these is great. They're a little bit long for me. Not much, a little bit but they flip so well. I don't know if you'll be able to see the difference between these and these. It's not as different as it used to be. I'm stronger than I was as a, as a kid. But these are, let's show you. See the difference in length? Okay. So the weight's distributed a little differently. I like that. Now, I did promise you why, you know, we talk about why traditional weapons training still has a place. Uh, there's a third pair of Sai I had, but uh, my mother and I used to argue over things, and she has them. So I'm, I don't know if I'll ever get those back. Um, there's, there's a pair of pants. There's a pair of gi pants in my closet that um, she would still like to have back. But they were my competition pants, so no, they're mine. So I did promise you some some discussion of why I think weapons training in a modern era makes sense. I'm not going to carry Psy. I'm not going to carry them around in my belt. That would be silly, right? Like People would be like, what the heck's going on? I'd probably get arrested for some reason. Even though they're not, well, these ones aren't pointy, right? No, I mean, it's slightly pointy. If I drag this across your eyeball and scratch your eyeball, but... Uh, these are these are slightly sort of a little more tapered. No, I could I could do some I could scrape or scratch. If you, it's the same argument that I make about forms. People say, "Oh, forms is not directly applicable to street confrontations, etc." Thus, it's irrelevant. It may not be directly applicable in the way that you do the movements, but what about all the benefits you get from doing forms? Same argument with weapons. You learn how to manipulate an object, which could come in handy in a fight. If you have the opportunity to pick up a, a, a random thing, a pool cue, a, a rock, um, a book, Pretty much anything, if you know how to use it, is a better option than not having it. So you get that, number one. Number two, it allows you to, how do I want to say, express force production in a different way, which helps you understand the way force production happens. Now, I can punch... Most of you have thrown a bajillion punches. You know how to punch. 
you know that punching involves not just my arm, but my shoulders, my hips, my legs, my relationship to the ground. Same thing here, but you know what? I'm not going to use this because that one is that one's a long. This one's shorter, so I'm going to use this one. So I'm when I punch with this, it's different. I've got to brace this. I've got to stay strong here. Is it, is it possible that learning how to hold my forearm in a strong manner is applicable to my non-weapon training, my empty-handed training? Yeah. Okay. What about when I flip this? What You ever seen someone who learns how to use side flip? They bring their elbow up. They create that momentum. They telegraph in the same way that when someone learns to punch, they will bring their shoulder up. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. They need to initiate that motion in some way. But as you get better, you just hear. I haven't really worked Psy in a long time, but you can see there's not a lot of telegraphing going on there. There's another benefit. we got some comments in the chat. Chris says, the reason I train a lot with the bow is because I wanted to train in a weapon that would be readily available in the world. I do train in Psy as well. I agree. I grew up being taught the bow is the most uh, applicable thing to train in as it relates to the world. I've since modified that. I think bow is second. I think a stick, single stick, a skruma, Kali, etc., is the most applicable because I think most of the time, if you pick up a random object, it is going to be shorter than longer. We've got Craig in the chat. Craig, I told everybody I'm going to come see you today. And Dennis says, bow was my favorite weapon, though I trained a bit with Psy. I had the holes in my mat to demonstrate my Psy proficiency too. Yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, one of the things that was challenging growing up was that I didn't have a lot of space. The living room was small. I would move stuff out of the way. But the dog wanted to know what was going on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that, created, that created some challenges. Craig says, woo, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a fun day. I don't know why you had to make it so hot today for uh, for me to come visit, but that's okay. Um, yeah. uh, back to this. Here's another aspect, range. Now, one of the things, and I hope when I talk about uh, karate, like, you know, the class I was at last night, I hope as I talk about certain things, it doesn't come across uh, bragging because that's not what I mean to do. I, I'm, I'm meaning to point out differences in my, between my training and some of the other people who were who were there, not because I'm better than them, but in the context of martial arts, I'm better than them. And so that contrast, I think, can illustrate some of the things going on. Now, one of the things that we did last night was a very simple step forward and punch, three step sparring kind of a deal. Most of you have probably done that. Punch, punch block, punch block, punch block. In this case, it was four step sparring. Punch block counter. Everyone was encouraged. Before you do your first punch, make sure you get your distance right. I didn't need to get my distance right. I knew exactly where I needed to be because the length of my arm has not changed in a very long time doesn't matter how tall the person is. doesn't matter what rank they are. The distance between 
me and them if I have control over it, I don't need to check that distance. Why? Because I've thrown a bajillion punches and I know the length of my punch. This initially complicates that, but over time, it helps you get better at that. Your ability to assess distance is pretty good, pretty easy to do. One of my favorite drills, I've shared this on Patreon. I've shared this. I have not done this on TikTok. I will just at any random time standing in, usually in my kitchen. What do I have to do to be able to kick that point with round side hook axe front kick in as little movement as possible? Sometimes it's a, it's a pivot. Sometimes I'm going far away. Sometimes I'm going really close. You ever try to, um, to adjust your stance to throw a kick to something that is closer than one would normally throw a kick at? In doing that, in, in that drill, in all of this, my ability to assess distance is improved. Don't worry, I'll turn the AC on for you, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, coffee is so good. So there's three, three benefits of training with traditional weapons. Now, I'm probably going to show you other weapons, other days, but we're not going to spend the time unpacking these reasons because they're basically the same for all weapons. I mean, there, there are some differences. Sire so are going to really build your forearms. They're not really going to build so much else. A bow, bow training, if you're doing it correctly, it's going to build your shoulders, your upper back, as well as your forearms. Uh, nunchaku is going to build the callus on the back of your skull. What else do I have over there? My screamo. Um, I don't know what that's going to build. Same stuff as the others. And I think the last one that I'll mention, uh, within Ishinru and, and plenty of other martial arts, you have drills, forms, that are two-person and involve Psy and Psy, Psy and bow, and understanding, because let's, let's say, what's the, what's the dominant feature of this weapon? You've got these kind of cupping things. And I was taught, oh, this was way, way back. This was not my original instructors, but what was presented to me was when they had, when, on Okinawa, they had to defend themselves against the samurai, they would, they would catch a sword and they'd break it. Well, if you know anything about swords, you know that didn't happen. But two versus one, if you can manage to defend yourself against the sword, right? You still have another thingy. And super traditionally, as I have read, they would keep a third one to throw. I, I you ever tried throwing knives? Super hard. But similar to the ability to assess distance, the ability to assess advantages and disadvantages of a particular tool. We talk about all these different techniques, all these different ways of throwing them. There are upsides and downsides to each of them. Some of them are good in certain situations. Others are terrible and vice versa. You can give me any technique and I can come up with a scenario, a legitimate scenario where it has some use. For example, uh, I did a TikTok about the most useless kick in martial arts. Any guesses? It's a crescent kick. 
Now, that doesn't mean if crossing is useless. It just means compared to everything else that one would do, it's the least useful. Where's a crossing kick most useful? As a sweep behind the leg, behind the knees, right? So your ability to take a look at sigh or a three-foot stick or a six-foot stick or this rock versus that rock and understand, hey, here's how I would use this tool is an incredibly valuable skill set. And the better you get at it, the faster you can make those decisions because really the likelihood of you having time to assess your potential weapon options in a situation where you're picking up an impromptu weapon, it's not going to happen. Uh, Jenny's commenting for Matt. It's, there we go. It's hard to be good at. It's not hard to do. I'm assuming you mean crescent kick. I would agree. Uh, Tommy says farming tool, hay baler. I was told side may have come from like a pitchfork for two hands. You know, people get really, really wrapped around the axle on where these weapons come from. And I think that that's interesting from a historical perspective. It has absolutely no bearing on how they're used. I was taught that this was a tool to dig furrows to plant into. And you know what? I've spent enough time in the garden. This is a little long, but the idea of having, you know, a three-pronged thingy to, to dig some trenches and drop some seeds into makes total sense to me. Oh, oh, I see. He was referring to throwing a knife or throwing side. Yes. It's not hard to throw them. It is hard to throw them effectively. Absolutely. I spent some time outside throwing a variety of things. Uh, often a, a heavy stick because, you know, I sit out on the porch and whittle pointy sticks because I'm, you know, I'm an old man from the late 1800s. And timing that stick and throwing it so it... it it sticks in the ground. It's kind of fun. Um, it is Thursday, and we do have a show. Let's see if it's up there. Fun fact, in the original version of today's episode, uh, Julius transposed my name with Andrew. Come on, YouTube. You know, we had we had somebody uh, pop up yesterday that uh, was just tearing apart one of our guests from an episode a long time, like five years ago. All right, phone. Any day that you want to be, you know, awake would be sweet. I might need a new phone. Google's coming out with the Pixel Six. This is a Pixel Two. I don't want to buy a new phone. There's nothing wrong with this one. All right. Yep. So today is the episode where Andrew and I talk about flexibility. Now, in part, we are talking about the new program, the Flex program, which I'm sure all of you know about. And if you haven't grabbed it, you should because it's free. It's free. It's absolutely free. Uh, not only is it going to give you the tools to become more flexible, it's going to give you a better understanding of how human physical adaptation works, because that's what flexibility is. It's an adaptation. And I go super deep. But in a, I don't go super deep. I go into the central nervous system, why it works, how it works, and 
there's a good chance that you as a martial artist, it's going to connect some dots for you that may not have been connected before. So check it out, whistlekickprograms.com. You can also find it at whistlekick.com because I put it over there because it's free because why not? You can use your code FIRSTCUP15 to get 15% off of zero and it will still be zero. Daniel's got a great point here. Where did that weapon come from? Well, I ordered it online. No, I mean, originally, probably China. Most stuff does. The irony is, it's China for both answers, much of the time. So in this video episode that Andrew and I did, we talk about the program, we talk about the science, we talk about why flexibility is important. We just, we talk about flexibility. So check it out. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, so that's it. That's it for today. Excuse me. I hope you have a good day. I've got 30 minutes before I got to get in the car. So I'm going to go eat something. And then I'm going to drive away. And you're going to have a great day. I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to shut all these windows. Ugh, ugh, it's going to be 91 here, guys. That's gross. And the patio door bakes all day. I may have to put up some curtains over there. I don't want to. Something might be something I do next year. We'll see. Okay. I'll see you tomorrow for the Friday episode. If you got some fun stuff for me, let me know. And I have decided that I would love to have a a first cup page. It's gonna happen. I'll let all of you know when it happens. It just hasn't happened yet. And unlike the other things that we do, I'm not gonna push a lot of people to come into it. We've got this really fun kind of close-knit group, those of you who show up most of the time. And I think I'm not going to um, prevent people from coming in, but I think I think we're going to keep it tight. Let me know what you think. Have a wonderful day. Stay cool, and I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.